0: What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number 217. Who cares with me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from Phillyvoice.com. Brandon, big, big news in Philadelphia Eagles football. You know what that is? No, Jimmy. What is it? The Eagles media is now allowed to park once again in the NovaCare parking lot. Huge. I think this is going to turn the season around. <laughs> Previously, we were allowed to park in the Novacare comp- Complex parking lot. And we got kicked out. We got put in the Navy Yard. I think that's what it's called anyway. Naval Yard, whatever. Parking lot uh, adjacent to the Novacare Complex. We are now back allowed in the Novacare Complex parking lot. Huge news uh, trumping all other Eagles news, really for the entire year, in my opinion. Uh, I think people care about this <laughs> less,
1: Jimmy, than they do the episode number, which you always say, who cares about? Jimmy, Eagles are one in three. It's not off to a good start here. Before we dive into it all today, obviously, BGN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. You can go to RighteousFelon.com, use discount code BGN15 to get yourself 15% off some high quality snacks and help support. Your favorite podcast, BGN Radio. So go do that. Jimmy, where do we start today with this team that is – it's like I want to say through a quarter way of the season, but we can't because there's a 17th game. I've been doing that too. I did that on the radio
0: that the other day and I realized, oops, can't say that anymore. Uh, but it's
1: like kind of true cuz what are you going to say you're never going to be able to say it though or are you, you going to say it like early into next game cuz wouldn't that technically be true like you know some part in the first quarter
0: against the Panthers you're like now officially we're a quarter away through the season <laughs> whatever even then it won't work out it doesn't it doesn't match up it would still have to be like at a certain random point during like the second quarter yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like
1: during the game, is, is technically
0: one of the first yeah. quarter of the season. But anyway, the first four games are over. The Eagles are one and three, uh, one and three, and they have a, I mean, they're they're. I think this is like the w- most winnable game during the brutal stretch of their schedule. Like this upcoming game against the Panthers. So, yeah, as we do during the during the season, we'll cover the previous game. Obviously, in this case against the Chiefs, we'll cover the Panthers game upcoming. But I think we got to start with uh lane johnson and what's going on there uh week uh, about an hour and a half before kickoff on sunday against the chiefs uh he was a surprise inactives normally you know do you write inactives every week okay so like normally uh there's not many surprises there like we pretty much usually have you know who's going to be inactive pegged um and then every once in a blue moon you'll get like a surprise player on there and like that didn't miss practice during the week or whatever And uh, on Sunday, it was Lane Johnson for a quote-unquote personal matter. Um, We have no idea what's going on on that. I presume I know I don't. I don't think you do. Uh, I haven't done much digging on it because and I I think like, you know, a lot of other reporters haven't either. They've kind of given, you know, know, Lane Johnson the opportunity to reveal whatever is going on with him uh, himself Uh, But he missed the game on Sunday, obviously. The Eagles had to sort um, of—I mean, the Eagles were already depleted on their offensive line in that they were already missing both starting guards in Brandon Brooks and Isaac Sayamalo. They were already missing uh, Jordan Mailata at left tackle. And then, surprise, they are also missing uh, Lane Johnson. So uh, they had a very makeshift offensive line in, you know, from left to right. Uh, Andre Dillard, Landon Dickerson moved over from right guard to left guard. Jason Kelsey was the only remaining guy. Uh, Right guard was Nate Herbig, and Jack Driscoll played right tackle. So um, to be determined what has actually transpired with Lane Johnson, he reportedly got back to Philly uh, from—it was in Oklahoma. Reportedly, he got back at some point last night. Um, Don't know if he's going to be at the Eagles complex today. I don't think you're going to be there today. I won't be there today. I think we'll probably both be there uh, tomorrow. I know I will anyway, but uh, we don't know what's going on with Lane Johnson. We don't know if this is something that's going to carry on uh, throughout the the rest of the regular season. It doesn't appear that he's going to play this Sunday against the Carolina Panthers, uh, but a weird situation where we don't have any clarity. The Eagles haven't really volunteered anything other than that. It's a personal matter. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the whole thing with him? It is a little strange that
1: we haven't heard anything just from the standpoint of usually in these kind of situations. I know it's a personal matter, but like, I don't know if it was something like completely like, oh, you don't have to worry about that at all. feels like, you know, the Eagles might be willing to like or yeah, leak yeah, that yeah. out there to kind of quell panic and everything. Um, You'd see an NFL insider kind of tweet something about like what at least the gist mm-hmm. of what was going on, maybe kind of just like to kind of add some context or again, kind of quell any panic or whatever. I don't want to raise any panic either because, you know, personal matter, I don't want to speculate on what it is, but as, you know, from a football analysis standpoint, just from that standpoint alone, like we don't know his availability moving forward. Um, it's just kind of a big question mark. And the fact that Nick Sciarani wouldn't guarantee he'll play against the Panthers is like raises a concern about this week. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think Jeff Statlin and the backups deserve a lot of credit for making it work mm-hmm. against the Chiefs. Now, I think, as we said, going into that matchup, the Chiefs have a really bad pass rush, and that, I think, is evident by how bad the defense right. is as a whole. So they kind of also caught a break in that regard, I believe. It's like, you're not going to get away with that. You're not going to, you know, this. This offensive line is not going to be, I think, doing the same if they're out without Lane Johnson, you know, for an extended mm-hmm. period of time. So uh, I think we can get more into the offensive line configuration potentially for this yeah. week later when we talk about the Panthers matchup. Uh, but yeah, important to cover at the top.
0: So let's start with the Chiefs game then. Um, what, were you, what was your biggest takeaway? So I think it has to be Nick Striani, right? Um,
1: (laughs) I am usually one. This is, I guess, just a personal thing where I don't think I put as much on the head coach as everyone likes to because in part because, uh, I think it's easy. It's just kind of like the low hanging fruit to like, Oh, if the, if the team is winning, then the coach is good. And if the team is losing, then the coach is bad. Like, I think it becomes that simple. And I don't think it's obviously that simple of an equation, but Nick Striani isn't inspiring the most confidence, Jimmy. He looks very much like a guy who hadn't called plays before, or not just that so much. Because I think the offense was actually, you know, doing a good job against the Chiefs again. I'll be against a very bad defense. They're moving the ball. They didn't punt. Like everyone's like, oh, you got to run the ball more. I mean, why? Yeah, the <laughs> offense. They were getting the into the
0: executing and playing well for sure. Yeah, I'm with you there.
1: They were getting in. I mean, maybe they could have run the ball a little bit more mm-hmm. in the red zone. Like if you want to say that, okay, whatever. They but, scored 30 points. <laughs> you know, I don't think <laughs> and they had yeah. three touchdowns taken to up the board obviously, and they
0: scored 30 points anyway.
1: And I think, you know, but that's a big thing. Like the penalties keep happening. They're the most penalized team in the NFL by far. Again, it's forty four for them, and the next closest team is at 34. Mm-hmm. And that's the Bucks. Um, so that's a big issue. I think inexperience, as like we kind of talked about last week, could be a factor there. Um, just, it's just a mess. And, uh, I, I think a lot of people kind of took the game as an encouraging thing. And I think there are some positive signs that can be taken out of the Chiefs loss. But I think with Sirianni as a whole, he just kind of looks like in over his head a little bit. He looks like, I mean, he, obviously now he's going up against one of the best NFL mm-hmm. coaches or one of the best coaches in NFL history, Nandy Reid. But, like, you could see that. I think he was very clearly just and, – and, and that's a coach, by the way, who used to get ripped here a yeah. lot for game management stuff, even though he won a lot. But, I mean, like, just the whole sequence with that first red zone possession, you know, uh, where they drive down to, what, the Chiefs' like 11-yard line, fourth and three. Is it was
0: 16, I believe.
1: Well, yeah, but on the fourth yeah. down. On fourth down, they were at the – Oh, the, was it the 11? So it's fourth okay. and three from the eleven, right. I think so uh and they send out the offense and then they don't get a playoff and they there's a timeout called Jalen Hurts apparently called the timeout like to prevent and delay a delay game but then there was a miscommunication with Nick Sirianni and again maybe the refs were somewhat to blame here too because it seemed like the communication wasn't great and like that there was going to be a penalty and everything but i mean even even if so like even in that situation uh it just it's it's game mismanagement the play wasn't in like they weren't fully prepared and i just the 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 like the, the from a bottom line level the fact that they're kicking field goals in the red zone against the chiefs right like you're not gonna like you're not even trying to win the game if you're doing that and also this comes after a week in which brandon staley who i am very encouraged by by contrast um and is getting like a lot of love like he just put out the he executed the blueprint and how to beat the chiefs he was super aggressive and against Kansas City in Kansas City. And they the Chargers beat the Chiefs in part because of him being aggressive like that. And for Sirianni to kind of just be like a big coward here and kick field goals in the red zone. I know there were issues and plays left on the field. But, like, that's pretty concerning to me moving forward. That's not just, like, one bad game. That's, like, a philosophy thing that yeah, I can't they, get
0: The previous week in Dallas, they punted twice, I think, on fourth and five in Dallas's end. So it's not just this is, like, the, a one-game thing. He's uh, now twice— uh, either punted or kicked a field goal on fourth and I mean fourth and five isn't fourth and short I would say but fourth and three certainly is and uh all that sequence was weird uh that you alluded to from the Chiefs 11 or 16 or whatever it was um where uh Hurts called the timeout they threw a flag on the play like the back judge actually threw a flag so maybe Sirianni saw that and thought it was a delay game and uh the the explanations from that uh were have been you know, not totally forthcoming from Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts on exactly what, what happened on that play. Uh, they both did mention miscommunications of some sort. Uh, but the bottom line is like the play got in too late <laughs> originally yeah. on that play, which is already a mistake right off the bat. They had to call a timeout or it would have either been a timeout or, or a delay game. Either way, you knock them for that. And then, um, you know, they send the kicking team out, uh, on fourth and three instead. And I think at some point they realized, oh, well, um, it's fourth and three still. It's not fourth and eight. And they still could have gone for it at that point. You either put the offense back out on the field um, if you have enough time on the play clock. If you have to burn another timeout, yeah, that looks terrible, but at least you're making the right decision and going for it instead of kicking the field goal there against, as you mentioned, like a juggernaut offense in the Chiefs that you're going to have to match points with. So, you know, that's a problem. And then because they had that timeout taken off the board um yeah. later in the first half, uh, you know, they're sort of rushing. They, they did have one timeout left, but they didn't want to call that because you want to make sure you have that in your pocket for when you're going to kick a field goal. If you get tackled in bounds or whatever. So they, they had a situation where I think there was like 30 seconds left on the clock, something around there. And, uh, they dumped it down to Kenny Gamewell. He gets tackled in bounds, clock's running, and they tried to run another play. Uh When they otherwise definitely would have taken time out in that situation, uh they try to run another play. Joan Hertz gets hit, and you have that keystone cops sort of sequence where the ball's like being like. Batted down the field mm-hmm. and eventually the, the, I think Nate Herbig. It's a ref I think at like one Nate, point. Yeah, it's a ref. I think Nate Herbig yeah. eventually jumped on top of it, which meant the end of the half as opposed to a long field goal attempt for the Chiefs. Uh, but yeah, and again, but that's a play that, you know, maybe that doesn't happen if you have that other timeout in your pocket and you wind up, maybe you wind up kicking a field goal to and a half and you go into the locker room on a high note instead of with that play. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, you can't have, uh sort of your coach screwing up these these game management situations because they tend to snowball like that uh and uh mm-hmm. so you know one mistake kind of maybe turned into two but uh you know certainly i think that um you know Doug Peterson during his 5 year tenure with the eagles he did a great job with uh game management decisions you know, maybe he was one yeah. of the best in the league, and in terms of just uh, aggressiveness on fourth down, and uh, also just not messing those situations up. It was rare when he had those kinds of mistakes. I mean, he had some big ones, like obviously the the overtime punt against the Bengals was yeah. horrible. But I think for the most part right. during his five year tenure, he was really, really good. And uh, like you mentioned, I've not been encouraged so far by what I've seen in terms of aggressiveness or uh, in game, uh, you know, management, uh, competence from Nick Sirianni. And like, where does Sirianni give the Eagles an advantage right
1: now? Like I'm, I'm failing to see that. And again, he's not inspiring the confidence and I will give him some benefit of the doubt and the standpoint that this is his fourth game ever as head coach. I'm not saying that he can't improve, but I mean, when you asked me, you know, last week, like, could he be one and done? Like he could be if this stuff doesn't like. There's no signs of progress on this by the end of the year. Like he this better, this stuff better get like cleaned up. If this stuff is happening in like week 17 and like, yeah. continues to happen throughout the season, I mean like I don't know that you can just say well it was just a bad rookie year for him as a head coach and it'll be fixed next year. Like I don't know if this continues to be a theme. Like that's something that I'm not so sure is just magically going away. Um, so that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Remember here. The, uh, the the um,
0: the quote by Jeffrey Lurie after they hired Nick Sirianni when he said yes I bring this up all the <laughs> time said, the, yeah the head coach we think you can we, we think you can be it's like can, can become. become yeah whatever yeah. I think they kind of knew that like yeah. there's gonna be some uh some bumps in the road along the way uh which you know you kind of expect uh from uh a first time head coach and in his case I mean he's an offensive coordinator but it really wasn't his offense that he was running uh in Indianapolis so he's trying to do a lot of a lot of different things at once like running his offense for the first time and also uh making all the game decisions and also calling plays so he's got a lot on his plate for a guy who is coaching for the first time um so yeah he kind of expects some some bumps along the way but at a minimum i think he could at least be better with the aggressiveness decisions and it's weird that they don't have it seemingly anyway um a system like they had under Doug that was really successful with, uh, you know, Ryan Paganetti like in his, in his ear uh, sort of during games and, and, um, and uh, you know, going through all the, you know, the, the, the likelihoods and the scenarios of, uh, you know, fourth down situations and sort of like um, talking him through like third down situations, even like uh, you sort of kind of uh, looking forward to a, a potential go forward situation on fourth down. It doesn't seem like they have that level of like, not to call Ryan Paganetti like a computer nerd, but like the computer, the the quote unquote computer nerd, like in your ear, like kind of uh, giving you all the, uh, the the odds and scenarios and stuff like that. It, doesn't, it seems like more that Nick Sirianni is going. And I, I know they have like some kind of communication there, but it, it seems like Sirianni is going more on his gut than he is on actual like analytics.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, Doug always talked about that too. Like there was more to it, at least in Doug's, the way Doug presented it. it was more than just analytics. Like he, there is like a human mm-hmm. element and all that. Um, So that's been brought before. But I, Sirianni did reference a chart. I think was it against the Cowboys game, and he said I think like that, that. Like it said the chart said to not go for it in those the situations wrong, or whatever. Man. Which yeah, I don't I don't know what chart they're using. But um all right, let's move on yeah. from Sirianni. Uh, I want to flip it over to sure. the defense because hey, that's kind of the <laughs> yeah. big issue. I think I mentioned last week, Jimmy, to you, uh, and a lot of people, I think, remember this to so shout out to those who on Twitter who tweeted it or cause I, cause I tweeted it after the game. I'm like, so under Jim Schwartz, one 40 point game in 86 games that Jim Schwartz was the defensive, right. defensive coordinator for the Eagles. Now there's Jonathan Gannon. We have two 40 point games already in yeah. just four <laughs> games total. Um, now obviously, you know, you're playing uh the Chiefs that hurts that's a pretty you know tough team but still I mean not good and beyond just like the results of it all it's just so I I think the conversation about Gann is is interesting because there was so much hype about him coming into uh this offseason in training camp and everything and then the defense looks good in training camp so people are feeling encouraged I think ourselves may be included in that and Get to the regular season, you know, good start against the Falcons and the 49ers, but the last two weeks, not so great. And I think a big kind of talking point here is, you know, Jonathan Gannon. Oh, what's he saying all offseason long? Like, I, I don't have a scheme, whatever. But, uh, I mean, I mean, that, that's just doesn't seem true. I mean, you can say he doesn't have a scheme, but he, he very much has a preference, at least, of running a lot of looks with two deep safeties who arguably may be too deep mm-hmm. because the Eagles are very much for like, Hey, they're not allowing big plays. That is true. They're very much, but like at the same time in the past two weeks, especially teams are just taking everything underneath or yeah. just running the ball on them because they're lighter in the box and they can't do anything about it. And they're getting down to the red zone. The other teams are, and they're scoring. So I get like allow wanting to limit big plays but it seems like it's too much of an extreme, right? It seems like like there has to be kind of more of a balance struck here. Um, so what did you make of, I guess, his press conference and everything, him saying he doesn't have a scheme and, like, th- this defense as a whole?
0: Well, f- first starting with the two 40-burgers in consecutive weeks, I thought it was funny that um, Nick Sirianni said unprompted that during the Cowboys game they didn't give up. The defense didn't give up over forty points because right one was a because one of the yeah. touchdowns was a pick six. But I don't think anyone even mentioned like forty points in the question. So so it's funny that they even brought they brought up like that the Dallas didn't score forty as if they didn't completely okay. dominate them. They, you know, yeah, the they entire. only allowed thirty four. Great, <laughs> right? So uh, you just look at the last two games. I mean. They're having like these two teams haven't even gotten that many possessions. The chiefs had seven possessions. If you exclude like kneel downs, they had seven possessions all day. They scored six touchdowns. So on the last 18 Eagles possessions, like the last two weeks, um, Dallas and Kansas city have scored 11 touchdowns and probably should have been 12 because like that, uh, goal line play against Dallas, like he got in, but they they blew the whistle because, uh, forward progress stopped. Um, So yeah, it probably should be 12 out of 18, but whatever it is, Mm -hmm. 11 out of 18 is terrible. And you you mentioned the big plays. Um, They've only given up six uh, plays of 20 plus yards, which I think is second best in the NFL, only behind the Buffalo Bills. But they're just getting slaughtered on the short to intermediate parts of the field. And as you mentioned in the run game, uh, that's been terrible. And I saw this clip of Brandon Staley, who is more talking about um the offensive side of the ball in, in terms of uh the run game, and when you're just sort of like um when when you're get like if as as an offense, he was talking about the offensive side of the ball like if you're running the ball well, it's the physical Presence that like your your offense is imposing on the opposing defense, where like you know those guys have to beat blocks and they have to make tackles, where they're not necessarily doing that as much uh, in the passing game. Like they, they're not forced to be tough and physical when you're facing a lot of passes. And I think sort of the same is true uh, when you look at it the other way. Like um, I I'd, I'd seen somewhere uh, I didn't actually hear Ike Reese say this. It was you know a friend had brought this up, but Ike Reese mentioned that if you're like getting dominated in the run game even if you're not giving up plays on the big, on the, on the back, big plays on the back end, if you're getting dominated uh, in the run game, then it's demoralizing to, you know, just keep giving up these, these, you know, decent gains on first and second down. And then you're in third and short and those are easily convertible when you have an offense like the like the Cowboys or the chiefs do. So like that, that style of defense, um, you know, while, you know, we, I, I know like a lot, a lot of people would get frustrated by the defenses that Jim Schwartz would run where he took away the run, but they were susceptible to the big play on the back end. Well, this is sort of like the opposite extreme where like they're making the run game so easy for these other offenses. um, And you may maybe going a little too far and making sure that, that they keep everything in front of them. And by the way, like the chiefs did get a big play. Like they did get the bomb to, to Tyree kill, uh, you know, last Sunday. So they haven't even completely uh, eradicated that, but uh yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's, a defense that he's gotta like he's gotta adjust because if they keep playing this way the rest of the season, they're just gonna like get killed in those short to intermediate areas of the field. Like you look ahead to this Panthers matchup, um, and we'll you know, we'll get to more of this later, but if Christian McCaffrey plays, he's gonna kill them on the ground and they have those two receivers in in Robbie Anderson and and um and uh DJ Moore who if you you know if you play the same style of offense that you played against the Chiefs then those guys are going to hurt you underneath too so um especially DJ Moore but like it's it, i'm I'm with you like it's it's a defense that is uh you know very concerning uh initially like and he's sort of gone out of his way to say that it's he doesn't have a, a quote-unquote scheme and that it's, you know, putting your 11 players in the best position to succeed. And and I don't think he's done that, obviously, the last two weeks uh, after what was an encouraging start, in my opinion, uh, against the Falcons and the 49ers. So a couple things here on the defense and then kind of just the
1: coaching staff as a whole. First tweet comes from our good friend Shilk Kapadia. Chiefs produced best single game offensive performance in terms of EPA per play of any team this NFL season versus the Eagles. Makes sense. Toyed with, (laughs) toyed with them, dominated up front. Yeah, it did. Uh, he continues, talent an issue for the Eagles, but scheme has been vanilla. Too deep, way deep. Uh, zone, no disguise, rare blitz, was expecting more creativity. I think we can all say the same for Jonathan Gannon. That was a big reason why people were like, oh, we can't wait. Yeah, Jim Schwartz is gone. <laughs> now we finally have a defensive coordinator who's going to be like, you know, like Jim Johnson, like a mastermind. He's going to be like, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. We um, haven't seen that. that. It, yeah, then- I mean,
0: coming from like a, like he even said himself, like he was, he was sort of like a Mike Zimmer disciple. Mike Zimmer, of course, known for those double league gap blitzes and, and other creative blitzing schemes. We haven't seen any of that so far.
1: And then taking this a step further, this is Eric Eager from PFF. The Eagles are among the league's lowest teams in disguising coverage, deploying stunts, blitzing, using motion, average depth of target, or using what PFF charts as quote-unquote trick looks on offense. So that kind of covered defense and offense there, but it's basically like, where's the creativity from this coaching staff? Is this like... It almost like makes me like go into like conspiracy theory mode. Like, are they trying to purposely, like, what, like, what is the, what is this? Like, why is there, is it just because they're inexperienced? And like, they're trying to keep things simple at the start and they're maybe going to work into that. And maybe this is like, you know, a five year or six year plan. And next year when they get more pieces in place, they don't want to show like, it's almost like they know they're not going to be a great team this year anyway. So like, let's not burn all our creative coaching stuff this year. Like, let's break it out when we think the talent is actually better because then, you know what I'm saying there? Like, I don't know that that's actually true, but I'm saying like, maybe they're like in theory, like saving their best for the long term. Like that's the only thing
0: I can think out of that. Other
1: than like the coaches just aren't good.
0: Yeah, I think there's been a lot of conspiracy theories like involving both sides of the ball with Sirianni and Gannon because some of the things that they're doing are just so obviously like illogical. <laughs> that, like people are like trying to make excuses, not make excuses for, it, but figure out why they might be doing it. You know, this way or that way. Uh, but the point that you made too that like I think is also very relevant, especially on the defense, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Is that they've got a lot of bad players on that side of the ball. Like Derek Barnett has been terrible so far. Eric Wilson, terrible. Uh, Alex Singleton hasn't like uh, sort of. Um, he's not his, a starter in his, his, Right, his form from from a year ago. Uh, Fletcher Cox has been extremely disappointing so far this season. Uh, Josh Sweat, you know, he's got what? some excuses in his in his favor in that he's playing a position that maybe he's not suited to to be playing uh, because of the Brandon Graham injury, and he has had a sack. Uh, taken off the board, you have to share another one with with Avante Maddox. So he he's at least gotten some pressure, but I still think um, maybe a little disappointing on his production so far. But they just have a lot of players that really aren't playing well. At all, which certainly doesn't help, Uh, you know, the defensive coordinator look good. Uh, But as you mentioned, there's plenty of check marks against the defensive coordinator, but um, he can't help in some cases that a lot of his players just aren't good at all. I mean, they have a clear, clear need for, by the way, let's talk about the linebacker position real quick. Like they have in the past, um, you know, not prioritized that position really at all. Uh, They have to going forward, like in the under Jim Schwartz they really relied on those front four guys to get to the quarterback and they put a lot of pressure on the back on the on the secondary particularly the cornerbacks playing a lot of like single high looks and the linebackers jobs were a lot easier than than they are now now with the eagles running like a lot of these you know three down lineman fronts and you know this super soft shell uh, zone defense uh, on the back end these linebackers are tasked with you know playing playing on Having to cover having to cover a lot more space uh, in the passing game and having to do a lot more in terms of getting off blocks and making tackles in the run game. So if they're going to put more pressure on these linebackers going forward, you better get some guys in here that can, a- can actually play because Eric Wilson can't. And I, and as you mentioned, I don't think Alex Singleton is a starter in this league. So that's something that they got to get fixed. What do what do you think about Fletcher Cox's so plays so far this year? I know that he's kind of been like uh, a lightning rod for uh, you know fans and some media as well. Uh,
1: just real quick on the linebackers. I mean, mm-hmm. like, where's the confidence that they're ever going to find one? Because, like, outside of Nigel Bradham <laughs> right. since then, it's like Corey Nelson didn't work. Well, they've gone cheap, um, though. Zach uh, Brown. Yeah, but it's like they have. But, like, a lot of those guys didn't even make the team. LJ Fort did, but then they, they cut him. <laughs> right? Um, So, it's just like, it's almost like where's the confidence level in them getting that position right? Maybe Davion Taylor playing. I mean, Davion Taylor should play more. if At the very least, to see if he could be better. Sean maybe, Bradley, maybe too. He, Let's
0: let, let me see Sean Bradley. Yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe they stink, but like, at least they're young and could be good yeah. as opposed to like, I think you know what kind of Alex Singleton is. And I think you kind of know what Eric Wilson is. Like, they're not probably going to get much better. Um, anyway, getting back to Fletcher Cox. Yeah, I think this is like an underrated issue to me. <laughs> maybe it's, it's, maybe not anymore because it's getting more attention, but like, Fletcher Cox is the highest paid player on your team. When your star players are not playing like stars, that is a huge issue. It's a it's like everyone wants to make it about coach and quarterback, and obviously those things are very relevant and should be the start of any discussion. But like it's also like the next thing under that to me would be when you're having a star player and there's this total you're not getting anything out of it. Fletcher Cox didn't have a stat against the Chiefs. Like that is why five tackles and, all season. He's five tackles all season. And I, as I've been tracking back to last season, he has one sack, one quarterback hit in his last eight games now. That's like almost half a season, half of a season. Fletcher Cox, one sack. Is Is that that, good enough? Quarterback hit, also the sack. I think it might be. Uh, (laughs) our good friend Dennis, um, uh, of Birds with Friends fame, uh, pointed that out. So whatever, but even whatever, either way, I'll be more generous and I'll give it to him. Like it's crazy that you're not getting the production out of him. I kind of want to go back to some things that were in the offseason. Uh, Jimmy, Jeff McLean wrote that piece about mm-hmm. like the Eagles being concerned about how Fletcher Cox would kind of hold up over time. I want to go back to, I don't remember, remember when I pointed out the difference in like snap counts between Brandon Graham, who was drafted like two years earlier mm-hmm. and is two years older and Fletcher Cox. Like despite that, despite the fact that Fletcher Cox is two years younger and has and uh, entered the league two years after Brandon Graham. Fletcher Cox has 1300 or 13 yeah 1300 more snaps in his career like that's a that's a crazy amount yeah. uh I think I think he's kind of just cooked I really do like I don't, I don't not to the point where like he shouldn't be on the roster he shouldn't be playing in the NFL anymore but like in Fletcher Cox standards like he's not Fletcher Cox anymore I don't think he's an elite pass rusher um I, I looked up some stats this week from PFF to kind of you know quantify or or, or kind of give me some more perspective here on like how he's up stacks up against other pass rushers. And, uh, if you look and I'll just another thing real quick, why look for that install? Um, the idea, like, again, we've talked about double teams. Like he's not facing double teams for the first time in his career. Like he produced before when he's facing double teams and now he's not, he ranks 50th out of 63 interior defenders graded by PFF minimum of 50% of their snaps. He is 35th out of 39 interior defenders in pass rush, productivity with a minimum of 50% of pass rushes played. So, and take PFF grades for what they're worth or whatever, but like, this is like well below his standard and you're just seeing it on the field. You're not seeing an impact and the defense as a whole is struggling. I feel like because he's not giving you that impact, he usually does. Uh, so I think it's a big deal. Fletcher Cox spoke Jimmy. Mm-hmm. you should mention on Wednesday and it's pretty clear he's not thrilled with the scheme. <laughs> right. uh, the, the line that really stood out to me when, shout out to Tim McManus, who was kind of really uh, talking about, or really like kind of you know, putting the pressure on him or, or really like following up about like you know, what's different, what's different about this scheme from the last one, like in, your, in terms of your responsibilities. And the, the key line for me was Fletcher Cox saying, quote, sometimes I'm playing a three technique. Sometimes I'm playing a four eye it's just one of them things where it's just hard to get settled in when you're playing so many positions and doing so many things. End quote. I mean, like that's excuse making right there. It really is. Like, I don't, I, I'm sorry. I don't care that you're like uncomfortable. You're the highest paid player on the team. You're supposed to, you're, you're an all pro. Pro Bowl kind of player like there's no excuses for that. I don't want to hear that the coaching staff has to use them better. Like you're getting paid. You're getting paid a hundred million dollar or plus contract to be a difference maker. Regardless, you don't make excuses for those kind of players. Fletcher Cox hasn't been good enough and it's hurting the Eagles. He did at least admit that uh, he I think his quote was he could. He said I could be better um yeah but i think he kind of put that on the coaching staff though (laughs) i think he said that but i think it's like i'm not better because i'm
0: playing all these different positions well as you did note like it did take some coaxing uh from the reporters to Mm -hmm. get to get that out of him but that's how he He feels so like
1: he was feisty in that presser too because like there's one point where you know he was was
0: annoyed by the questions people
1: do in philly um like reporters shouting the over another face-offs. he was like hold on hold on one at a time yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: he yelled at like zach berman i think for like <laughs> yeah
1: <enough> of, <laughs> was like the, the most guy. polite
0: uh reporter yeah. that there is right it's <laughs> like he got mad that like people were like shouting questions at him um but he did it he did at least acknowledge that he said i could i could be better which um, for a prideful player which i think fletcher cox is to say that i would translate that as yeah i realize i've been pretty bad uh, so like uh, he at least does acknowledge that he's not playing well but as you know yeah i'm with you there that he he doesn't believe that it's totally on him that he hasn't been as productive as he should be uh all right so we should get to jalen hurts our 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 weekly jalen hurts confidence check but maybe let's do that on the uh, other side of uh, our first break
1: well, before we go to break, Jimmy, I will tell you and all the listeners about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, of which the Eagles are not eating enough of because they're one in three. Maybe if they turn it around against the Panthers this week, it will be be because they're eating the Righteous Felon Craft Jerky that they have down there at the care Complex. So if you want to get in on these high quality snacks that you hear me talk about every week and you're probably like why is blg talking about this so much well like try them and then i think you'll like them a lot yeah just try them and then maybe we'll stop talking about them uh, well no i'm not going to stop talking (laughs) about them and and the people who have them are not going to stop talking about them either because they're good i mean you'll, you'll look forward to when we talk about them and you'll get it you'll be like oh now i get why they're talking about it because it's good it's legitimately good Products that they have there at Righteous Felon. The jerky is really good. I am partial to the built tongue because it's softer than the jerky, more tender. I kind of like, that's my kind of style. The jerky is still good and I have that too, but I like the built tongue the best. So go try that out by going to righteousfelon.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. You're getting some good quality or great quality snacks for yourself. You're getting, uh, uh, a great time in your life. <laughs> You're helping support. BGN Radio. So everyone wins. You're helping support a local business. It's just a, it's a win all the way around. So write to discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy. Back after this. Back here on BGN, Bleeding Green Nation Radio. Jimmy, before we get into our Panthers discussion, we're going long recently. In our recent pods, we're we're doing a really bad job of keeping it trim, but we only (laughs) pod once a week about the Eagles, so we kind of have to get all of our takes in at one time. Now, little... Like, uh, programming note we will be breaking things up our, our schedule will be a little bit different you know because the Eagles are playing on a short week next week against the Bucks so we might break things up a little bit we have some questions that we have to get to Jimmy as, as I say all the time we are legally obligated okay. to answer those questions in the reviews we'll do that so then, maybe yeah. we can kind of add some of those next week uh where we, or we have or in the future when we kind of have that mini buy coming off the uh, the Bucks game so we'll get to all that but for now before we get into or before we get into the Panthers game. I wanted to do like a weekly Jalen Hurts confidence check in because I thought it was an interesting discourse about him coming out of the Chiefs game. Uh, we'll start with you, Jimmy. How did you feel about
0: Jalen Hurts coming out of that well, game? Well, let's just start with his numbers. He was 32 of 48, 347 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, also ran eight times for 47 yards. So the numbers are gaudy, right? So like you you look at that on paper and you think, wow, that he tore it up. And to some degree, like he kind of did. Like I thought he had a, he had a, I thought he had a good game. Like I thought he had a really good game. uh, Certainly coming off of uh, a down performance with, in which like, I think we both agree he looked pretty bad uh, against the Cowboys um, on Monday night football. Uh, So, you know, good on him for responding to a bad performance and um, you know, putting together a good one uh, against the chiefs. And they scored 30 points, as we mentioned, despite having penalties, take three touchdowns off the board. Now, maybe one of them was kind of on him on the illegal man downfield. And I think, you know, they've had like an an inordinate number of illegal man downfield penalties. And uh, that's because they're running a lot of RPOs and officials are calling that particular penalty a little more tightly this year, but um, it's not typically on the offensive lineman on those plays, which in this case it was Andre Dillard. It's usually more on design of of, of the play or the quarterback, not, you know, uh, getting the ball out quickly enough after deciding that they're going to pass instead of running it. Um, But whatever the case uh, you know, three touchdowns came off the board, which negated 15 points because they wound up kicking two field goals on two of those. Uh, possessions that the touchdown was wiped off the board. And then the other one, they didn't get any points at all. So they got six points instead of 21, uh, again, net loss of 15 points. So again, you know, they had 30 points, probably could have been more. So Jalen Hurts certainly did his part in that game uh, against admittedly a a, a very bad (laughs) Chiefs defense, in my opinion. Uh, But I I was encouraged by what I see, what what I saw in that game. If you want to nitpick uh, some some of the plays that he left on the field, uh he missed a wide open uh Zach Ertz for a touchdown who was, drive, was running yeah. free in the end zone. And uh there's another play where uh uh I think one of his early looks on the play was to Quez Watkins uh, deep down the field. He was wide open, uh, didn't pull the trigger on that for, for whatever reason, and instead wound up going through his progressions and eventually checking it down to Kenneth Gainwell. That wound up being like a first down play, I think, so it wasn't a negative play or anything like that, but I think they, they missed the the bigger play opportunity there. But again, like on the whole, um, a very encouraging performance, especially coming off a bad game uh, for
1: John Hurts. I feel like I'm a little more down on this than a lot of people. I put him in my winners section for context here. That's all my all important winners losers I don't know <laughs> after the game. So like I don't I don't think he had a negative game and there's more positive than negative, but there was, for for, for me there was some significant negatives. Like your the play you talked about leaving that on the field. I thought the Greg Ward play was a little like weird because it looked like I mean the ball was in Greg Ward's hands, but it kind of like looked harder than it had to be for me. Like he dropped mm. that, but like he really had to extend for that when it didn't seem like it had to be that hard. Um, you talked about the miss uh, deep play. Our good friend Johnny Page, BGN, uh, put up some clips on Twitter this week at JohnnyPage9 on Twitter, um, a breakdown of some more plays he kind of left on the field. He had Devontae Smith in the red zone. And, uh, a common theme, I guess, of the red zone that Johnny highlighted there, like Hertz kind of has to be just more aggressive down there and like pull the trigger sooner. Mm. Like he's seeing it and he's not like he's, he's hesitating a little bit too much down there. And that's one of my big criticisms of Jalen Hurts. throughout the offseason was like, he wasn't getting rid of the ball quickly. He's like holding it, holding it. Like you have to see it and throw it, like get it out. Just like get it out. Like just, just do it. Like stop holding on to it and overthinking it. Um, so, uh, one of the things I guess that bothers me coming out of this game is that like you have to contextualize the performance, and the Chiefs' defense is just so bad. I'm not saying you take the credit away, but you have to like add that caveat in there or that context there. And the other thing is like I'm seeing a lot of posts or, or things on Twitter this week that are like Jalen Hurts, one of the first three quarterbacks that ever have this amount of yards or whatever, and I'm like, okay, like again, more context here. First of all, you're not winning the games, and to Jalen Hurt. Hertz's credit, he said that after like Nick Sirianni called his game one of the best he's ever seen, which I also thought was a little <laughs> too effusive. I mean, I, yeah. I get a coach like wanting to gas up a player, but I was like, I don't know, like this doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> right. Um, and Hertz, to his credit, again was like, no, like we lost the game, like it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I'm not trying to criticize Hertz about that, but or it's not his fault. He's getting kind of like hyped up a little bit more than I think he should be after this game. Uh, the other thing is like he's had a lot of garbage time this year. People like you, you, we all realize that, right? Like in a lot of these games, like he's produced late when the game was kind of already over. I mean, even kind of in the 49ers game a little bit, uh, definitely in the Dallas game. And then even, yeah, he had a touchdown throw. I mean, Greg Ward has two garbage time touchdowns in the past two games alone. So like that's another thing. I think you kind of have to add in there and remember, uh, I'm not like out on Jalen Hurts still by any means. I like Jalen Hurts a lot. Like I, I really do. I like him, but I just, I don't think he's still at that point where you're like, Hey, this is a guy that we're going to build around. And I think I've seen some of that and I don't fully agree with that. Like, oh, he just, he's young. He's showing encouraging signs. You got to build around this guy. You got to give him like a lot of time. It's not only enough to get this season. You have to give him like next season too. I just don't, I'm not there yet with that. So I guess that's, I'm kind of more looking at it as a, a big picture thing, as I often do outside of just this game. But, um, so I feel okay about him. I don't feel great. I don't feel amazing. I feel like fine. I don't, I don't think like he's going to be a big concern week to week, but I also don't think he's getting you over the hump just yet um so that's that's where I'm
0: at with him four games down 13 to go in in this season yeah. so he's got a lot, a lot he's got a lot more to show um sure and I think after this game I mean so like after the Cowboys game I, I was getting questions in my you know my weekly chat on Philly Voice you know, should they bench him for, for Gardner Minshew or at what point do they bench him for Gardner Minshew like probably won't get probably won't be getting any of those questions <laughs> this week when I do that chat anyway um yeah so let's move on uh Eagles Panthers Uh, Week five in Carolina. Uh, What are the what are some of your favorable matchups that you see uh, in this one?
1: To me, uh, I was on a Panthers podcast. It's actually on two Panthers podcasts this week. To me, flex by me, big flex. Uh, Two (laughs) Panthers podcasts, and one of them, they kind of asked me, "They're like, what's one of the things you feel really good about with the Eagles right now?" and this was a couple days ago so caught up in the you know aftermath of being 1 and 3 i'm like well to be honest not a ton but uh, i was like oh i should probably mention javon hargrave cuz he's pretty good uh and dominating i mean what five sacks now in just four games yeah. I'll all oh, playing it all six, for a level his career high is 6.5 he's going to smash that he could he could pass that this week honestly yeah. he could get two sacks on sunday and i think he might have a chance to cuz that panthers interior is not Amazing. It is it's gettable for him. I think he could have another big game. And Sam Darnold, by the way, like I am not in on Sam Darnold. I, I am not buying Sam Darnold as like totally been rejuvenated and everything. Um I watched that Texans game, uh, you know, Panthers Texans game, and he had two really bad fumbles in that game. It almost kind of reminded me a little bit of your guy there, uh Danny uh Daniel Jones, who okay. uh, you know, like just a little hey, too loose with to the ball Yeah, he's your guy in the pocket. <laughs> Well, you love to bring up that fumble that Jamal Adams had. Oh yeah, you know, that fumble just it from where he just took yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> ball away. Um, well, Sam Darnold had some of those, and obviously he had a, a bad turnover too against the Cowboys as well. So I think it's very possible that the Eagles could get some interior pressure here, and and maybe it's honestly a Fletcher Cox bounce back game. Like I could I could see that in the standpoint of like everyone's talking about Fletcher Cox, and maybe he's a little bit mad, and yet gives him like a little bit more juice. Going up against an offensive line that isn't great on the interior, and really, I guess, isn't great on the whole. Um, uh, they're starting Cam Irving at left tackle, even though he's banged up. He didn't practice on Wednesday, so I think for an Eagles defensive line that you talked about, like we talked about, has been disappointing. Like maybe they can get it going against this Panthers offensive line.
0: They have four uh, replacement level starters, in my opinion, playing on that offensive line. Uh, the only really good player uh, at right tackle, Taylor Moton. Uh, but him aside, that, like they got nothing on their offensive line. Uh, the big uh, other deficiency, in my opinion, uh, on their roster is as, is a cornerback. Like they have one solid corner in uh, Dante Jackson. They obviously felt like they had to uh, upgrade that position because uh, they took. J.C. Horn, like eighth overall. I thought that was maybe a little bit of a reach in the draft. Take, and I like J.C. Horn, but taking eighth overall in the draft, I thought was a little high. But they obviously felt like they needed to, to fill that position, especially for a roster that like, you, you know, still needs a quarterback. And there were still some available. And they went cornerback instead uh, was sort of uh, eye-opening. And then J.C. Horn gets hurt. So they trade for C.J. Henderson. C.J. Henderson got lit up. By the cat, well, I think I guess he was only targeted once uh, in that game, but it was a deep ball of Amari Cooper that they completed for a touchdown. Uh, and then they go out this week. I want to trade. jump in there, Jimmy, yeah, real quick
1: on CJ. Like, so I saw this clip of Amari Cooper mic'd up, and he didn't even know who CJ Henderson was. <laughs> like, I thought that was just funny. <laughs> okay. You know, and he's, he's like this guy was what like a top
0: ten pick, and he's like yeah. I have no idea who that guy is. Anyway, so um uh anyway, and then this week they trade for, or actually just we're recording this on Thursday, by the way. Uh, on Wednesday they trade for Stephon Gilmore. Uh, Still in pop list, he won't play against the Eagles uh, this week, but just making the point here that, again, they go out and they make this big move uh, to try to solidify the cornerback position. So, you know, the Eagles aren't an offense that can really, you know, kill uh, a, a team that's cornerback depleted i think we saw that week two against the 49ers Mm -hmm. um they were you know severely depleted at cornerback and the Eagles only scored 11 points so you know you're facing like a team like the packers or like the cardinals or the rams or the seahawks like those kinds of teams are going to like kill you if you don't have good cornerback play um but uh i don't know if the eagles are that yet but they still should have some opportunities in the passing game uh against this group of panthers cornerbacks it just isn't very good
1: yeah, I mean Devontae Smith is coming off his first hundred mm-hmm. yard plus receiving game. He got ten targets against the Chiefs. Keep feeding him, man. Don't like should not be going through a game where he isn't getting this like. So, like he's a target monster. He should be at least like He's for, a really force impressive catches him. in that game
0: too. Especially the one by the sideline where he like reached out full extension, got both feet yeah. in. Like it's imp- that's an impressive catch.
1: And just some of the the clips that were cut up, like his route running, the way he comes back to the ball instead of just standing there, like he's and he just like he create his own openings. Like the, like the one play, I think Nate Tice, I, I can't remember if it was him broke it down, but like the way Smith came back to the ball. Um, like if he didn't, like he's standing there, that could be a pick. The mm-hmm. way he came back to the ball, he create, and he also not only created the catch for himself, but he also created yards after the catch for himself because he set himself in a, up in a way where he runs into the ball and he's able to take that momentum and kind of like turn and start running upfield. So like, he's just like, that's such an advanced player for a rookie. I just, I, I love Devontae. Smith. He knows what like he's he, doing. He's, he knows what he's doing out there. Get him the ball. Like again, force feed it to him if you have to, uh, like, cause that's a guy who's going to win a lot and he's going to get open. Um, so. Definitely think the Eagles take advantage of that. If we're going for flipping it around, Jimmy, or going for reasons for concern. It's pretty obvious. Matchup, one. <laughs> yeah, you had this number one in your matchup column. But I wanted to steal it and bring it up to me because I think Andre Dillard, like a lot of people are like, oh, he hasn't been as bad as everyone thought he might be. And to his credit, he hasn't. Has I think he was. I mean, I don't think he was great in the Chiefs game. And obviously the penalties might not have been all on him. He did have a, I think a holding or something uh-huh. or or a false start at one point. So he did have one penalty that was definitely on him. I'll put it this anyway, way. I'll put it
0: like this. He's been far, far down on the list on the Eagles reasons for losing the sure. last two weeks. But I will say, like, he
1: has had unusually favorable matchups. You don't often, how often do you get a 240? Linebacker playing defensive end, like in Micah Parsons as your matchup with the Cowboys offensive line or defensive line that was like totally depleted. They're missing so many bodies. And then against the Chiefs, he gets to avoid Frank Clark. And then again, their pass rush isn't just who do they have outside it of just him? Chris like, Jones. They, and he's not yeah. like
0: well suited to play defensive end. He does, he does kick out to the defense end sometimes. And I think he actually did Some have a natural have a, edge rusher. I think he actually did have a couple matchups against Dillard in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, uh, he, I think he did sort of his damage against the interior. Uh, against the Eagles, but yeah, yeah, the point is well taken. Like he has gotten very favorable matchups, uh, these first two weeks. He's not going to get one this week. So this week he's either going to be facing, uh, I'll let you get to the point, but he's, he's facing Brian Burns and, uh, more likely than not more Brian Burns than Hassan Riddick. But, uh, the Panthers have two outstanding edge rushers.
1: They can kind of play a little bit. This guy can get pressure. I really love Brian Burns. I remember in the draft that year, mm-hmm. he fell to the Panthers and, and he's been lining it up in the NFL. And then Reddick was kind of, you know, obviously a slow starter there in uh, Arizona. And there's thought that he was like a bust for a while. And mm-hmm. then he kind of broke out a bit last season. And now he's reunited with Matt Rule. Um, you know, the temple connection there. And that's a pretty good pass rush duo. There's a reason why heading into week four, the Cowboys like or not, not the um, the Panthers had the number one defense in the NFL. And if you still look at a lot of metrics, I think like DVOA has them fourth still, even after the loss to the Cowboys, mm-hmm. where you know they weren't as good. Like, there's, like that's a big reason why because they can rush the passer. The Panthers offensive line might not be any good, but the defensive line
0: definitely has some talent. So the way that Burns plays, it actually kind of. Uh it's it's actually favorable not i don't know favorable is the wrong way to put it but so dillard, i'll put it like this dillard uh as we know struggles against power so that's not what brian burns is like he's just a pure speed edge rusher and he, that's how he's going to win with speed so um it's not like he's a guy like uh like mm, or well, whatever. It's not like a guy who's going to like Brandon Graham. He's like, yeah. He's, he's not like facing Brandon Graham. who's just going to put him on his ass like, uh, when he wins on his pass rushes. So he does have a chance uh, to play well against Burns, but the Eagles offensive tackles are, are obviously unsettled uh, heading into this matchup. We don't know if Jordan my is going to play. He was a limited participant in practice uh, on the first practice of, a big of the race on his knee uh, on Wednesday. He's obviously not 100% because as you mentioned, he's got that big brace. Uh, so he'll be gimpy if he does play. Um, I'm, as we mentioned earlier, it's highly unlikely that Lane Johnson's going to play this week. So you have um, you know, three potential starters at offensive tackle just to be determined on who's where, and that's Dillard. If he plays, he's going to be at left tackle. They're not going to move him over to right tackle. Um, and then it's just a matter of... Uh, if Mailata plays, he'll be the right tackle, in my opinion, and if Jack, if he can't go, then it'll be Jack Driscoll at right tackle like it was against the Chiefs, so you're either looking at Dillard and a gimpy Milata against Burns and Redick, or Dillard and Jack Driscoll against uh, those two guys, so yeah, that, that's a matchup that I think is heavily uh, in the favor of the Carolina Panthers.
1: Or even if Johnson does play somehow, like, I kind of think, like, you know, I don't like where's he even going to be at? I don't know where he might be at, like, mentally, and then obviously just not even being with the team Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, conditioning and everything, like, you know, so that's, you know, a big question mark, too. There's there's uncertainty, any way you slice it up, the, the point is there's uncertainty at right tackle and you know, really at both tackle positions potentially. And that's not great going up against these edge rushers. So that's a big reason of concern for me. What's a big reason of concern for you outside of that?
0: Yeah, so the other one, as I already mentioned before, their duo of uh DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, um, th- those guys were really good. And DJ Moore particularly, uh, I think he's like inching up to like, you know, the – somewhere in the ballpark of like the one of the top five receivers in the NFL. Like mm. I think he's already top 10. He's really good. And he does a lot of good things. Uh, uh, Like he's, he's got speed. He catches the football. Well, he gets yards after the catch. Like I think he's one of the best in the NFL uh, receiver wise and getting yards after the catch. And uh, he's tough. Like he works the he, he's fearless uh, in the middle of the field. And I think uh, the middle of the field is where the Eagles are very susceptible. Clearly. Um, so I I like him and his chances of, uh, having a big day against this Eagles defense, which again has to get cleaned up, uh, even in, in the passing game after, you know, Tyreek Hill just basically did whatever he wanted to them, uh, on Sunday, uh, you know, week four. So, uh, yeah, that, that'd be the other big area of concern is those two guys being able to go off against, uh, you know, this, this soft shell Eagles defense.
1: Moore has the most, forced missed tackles of any receiver since he entered the league. So yeah, definitely a threat not only to catch the ball, but then do damage once the ball is in his hands. You know what he is
0: to me? He's like, he has like the physical equivalent of Jalen Rager in terms of his just physical skills, except he knows how to play football.
1: (laughs) So like Jalen Rager, Jalen Rager was actually really good. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, Elsewhere on the offense for Carolina, they might be getting Christian McCaffrey back. He was limited in practice on Wednesday, which seemed to be like a good sign. It seemed like that's kind of what more than what some people expected. Um, again, I was talking to those Panthers podcasts and they thought he might definitely be out this week. So, if he plays that's kind of an issue i feel like for the eagles not only because you know the struggles in the run game but because of how bad their linebackers are yeah. as you mentioned i think back to when the eagles played the panthers in 2017 and they kind of made christian mccaffrey look like a scrub like mm-hmm. i think that was one of his games earlier or in that panthers tenure where he first started to get like a lot of playing time too cuz i don't think he like if i remember correctly like he wasn't like just you know the guy out of the gate for them um he started to get a lot more playing time in that game and he was terrible because Nigel Bradham shut him down. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he had him on and Michael Henricks, too, I think, had a r- really good game in that game. Uh Eagles is a lot less good now. And also McCaffrey's just a lot better than he was, I think, back then. So yeah, that, that was up. the
0: Nigel Bradham game. It was, he was a stud that was, in that
1: game. I love that game. That's an underrated game from the Eagles twenty seventeen yeah, sure. season. For sure. That was Other that, than you know P- what that
0: game was? That was the game where I think they really started to believe that they had it, something good going on.
1: They arrived absolutely. And especially important part to me, I will never forget Pete Morelli, just the, the worst officiating <laughs> oh, performance right. I've ever seen that's in my right. entire career. And they overcame it. And, and they overcame it. And that's why I think that spoke a lot. Cause they like, look, you know, it's easy to be like, Oh, the refs suck. I hate the refs, but like, no, he sucked in that game and he never coached. He never refed another Eagles game again. And then he retired. The two I'm worst
0: ref games, uh, Eagles wise that I can remember in like the last two decades or so it was that mm-hmm. game, Pete Morelli mm-hmm. and, uh, Cleet Blakeman. The Lions. Yeah. Well, the oh. oh, Eagles, okay. Eagles Cowboys with the, uh, yeah.
1: Oh, geez. No with, clear, recovery. No clear yeah. recovery.
0: Not only that, like the, the offensive pass interference our Colin Goddard. Yeah. And there, there are others too in that game. Anyway.
1: Um, <laughs> the last thing I had in this matchup was, I think this is, Another underrated storyline is the big coaching mismatch potentially in this game. Okay. I think Matt Rule is a very good coach. I did not want the Cowboys or the Giants to hire him. I was really concerned that was going to happen because I think you just look at where he's gone and like he's gotten good results. His players seem to like him a lot. Um, he seems to know what he's doing to me. Like I have confidence in Matt Rule and they have a really good offensive coordinator too, Joe Brady, who is probably going to be one of the hot head coaching candidates again this offseason. Like he was last offseason when the Eagles interviewed him, but clearly didn't hire him. And I think he's a really good offensive mind and has done a lot of good things. For as much as I don't believe in Sam Darnold, I think him having these coaches, you know, puts him in a much better spot, obviously, than he was in New York with Adam Gase, which is not saying much at all. But uh, I think that's a potential mismatch here when you you have these two going up, not only against Sirianni, but like
0: Gannon directly as well. Yeah, Joe Brady is uh, very young, like he just turned 32. So uh, when he was interviewing with the Eagles, this offseason, I think he interviewed the Eagles, right? He was 31 years old. So, you know, he and the other guy that I think is having a lot of success this year is uh Kellen Moore. Um in terms of just putting together an offense that that's playing at a very high level right now. Uh so yeah, I mean, I wonder if the Eagles will regret uh not making the, I mean, who knows what happened during those interview processes, but um sure. maybe at some point they might interview they might regret not hiring either Joe Brady or uh Kellen Moore, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um I'm with you like I think Matt Roll has had like his, a decent amount of control on some of their front office moves. And I haven't agreed with a lot of the stuff they've done there, but just as a pure head coach, I think he's been pretty good. And then Joe Brady with um, yeah, I think he's, he's done a really nice job as their offense coordinator. Now I, I disagree with, you know, their usage at times of Christian McCaffrey, like they just, I mean, they're just wasting and on, on a, running him on, the ground on, on a on a team that you know isn't really a Super Bowl contender. But that aside, like their the the scheme works, and um, I think they they put their players, uh, notably Sam Darnold, who you know as we've we've seen he's he's kind of stunk uh, throughout his career with the Jets, and he goes to Carolina and he's having some success there. So you know, credit to to Joe Brady to some degree uh, for for what they've been able to do with him. So yeah, I I agree. You know, I think we've seen. I mean, not to, not to keep bashing the eagles coaching staff but um you know they're they're bashable (laughs) at this point whereas the panthers are not so uh, i do think i agree with you that they have the advantage on the coaching staff Uh,
1: and speaking of creativity on the defensive end like phil snow the defensive coordinator has done some of that stuff so i'd be interested to see what kind of looks he gives to the eagles um but i think that does it for the Panthers segment jimmy unless you had anything else you want to tell me about
0: i'm okay on the panther segment
1: Christian roach of roach realtors then roach realtor Christian roach of roach realtors and
0: roachrealtors.com yeah uh 856-906-9295 if you're looking to buy or sell a home Kristen roach absolutely killing it right now uh she just i saw her just walk by the window a minute ago um yeah she's like got a bunch of closings i know anyway she's doing a lot of business and um just really really v- good at what she does for real um if you look again, if you're looking to buy or sell, sell your home, 856 home, eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five or go to roachrealtors.com. Brandon. Kristen Roach putting the real in realtors. <laughs> For sure. I'm sure somebody has used that before. But uh yeah, maybe we'll steal that. Back after this. Oh. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach tours. Kristen Rocha, Roach of Roach tours. She's the greatest! 8 6
1: Back here on BGN radio, Jimmy, it's time for our weekly picks segment, which the people love. I don't actually know if they do, uh, but hopefully you do because it's really important. And before we get into the picks, I want to say here, we'll update the records that no one cares about. Jimmy, you are now seven and 12. Against the spread. Yeah. On my, really so rough. on my
0: regular picks. Uh, nope. Doesn't count. Well, no, that's not good either. So I'm going to, I'm just oh, okay. pointing definitely out my, does count that I'm pointing out my futility, uh, let me just pull okay so my my picks this year i'm 8 12 and 1 so a little better there than i am uh on whatever games we pinpoint on the podcast here but yeah uh i've had a terrible year so far against the spread so uh anything that you're there's actually value in that too like you can just bet against what i recommend there's value in that too so that's what we're bringing to you here folks uh, I am
1: 34 and 30 in all games against the spread. This okay. year, So I'm above 500, which is, I will take that. And while the BGM community, meanwhile, is the opposite. They are 30 and 34. So they're below 500. Okay. So I'll, yes, I do know more than the listeners just <laughs> objectively. It's just proven, uh, Jimmy, you're seven and 12. I am 10 and nine. So just above 500. You had a really bad week last week. I think you went one and four. I went four and one. Okay. So that was the big swing. And then we are both three and one in our Eagles pick straight up, not counting the spread. Right. So, Let's get into the odds this week. Now, Jimmy, not official sponsor of BGN Radio, yet at least, but official sponsor now of the SB Nation NFL show, which I plug here a lot, is the DraftKings Sportsbook, the wonderful DraftKings Sportsbook. And if you download their app and you use promo code SBNNFL, that's SBN for SB Nation, NFL you can get a special offer. So if you want to go do that, you can go do that. Uh, but, Jimmy, why don't we start with our first game? That's the Colts. Draft pick implications. At, at the Ravens. It's Monday Night Football. Big Monday Night, mm-hmm. Night Football matchup. The, the Ravens are six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Car- Indianapolis Carson Wentz. I don't want
0: to speak for Eagles fans here, but I'm guessing that the majority of them have not seen a Colts game from start to finish. Like, they've seen uh, you know bits and pieces on, like, Red Zone Channel or something like that, but this will be the first opportunity that we all have uh, to watch to, to focus our full attention on Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts. So, hashtag Eagles Twitter should be uh, fun to, to to should be fun to participate in on Monday night. Uh, Ravens, as you said, minus six and six and a half. I've seen it also at seven. Um, I didn't like this game in terms of uh, picking it one way or the other against the spread. Uh, I do you see the Colts losing this game because they're not very good this year? And uh, they have a quarterback who also, I think, isn't very good. Uh, i like the Ravens to win this game outright, obviously. And um, I think six and a half, if it were seven, I might go Colts. But I think the six and a half versus the seven is the breaking point for me. I will take the Ravens, and I will lay that six and a half points.
1: I don't think you know how this works to me. Carson Wentz is going to have some, like... (laughs) <laughs> like uncharacteristically like good game at this point. And everyone's like, oh, the Eagles should have kept him, especially, you know, if the Eagles lose on Sunday to the Panthers because that's just how it goes. Yeah. Uh, it I hurts don't as a really, bad
0: game or something like that, yeah.
1: Right. I, I don't feel good necessarily about the Colts winning this game, but I think they might be able to cover. Uh, So I will take the points in this one. Okay. But I do think they will lose, and that drops the Colts to, as we know, what, one and four. They did win, got a big win against the Dolphins. That was great for the Eagles. Shout out to Carson Wentz for coming through.
0: Do do you think, by the way, that's a side note. Do you think it was good that the Titans lost? Yes. Because it was also to the Jets, too. So it might be revealing that maybe they're just not good either.
1: Well, yeah, but I think think part of that was, I mean, they missed. So the Titans lost on what, like a 40-yard field goal that they just missed? Like, so, you know. It's a little bit like they could have won that game. It mm-hmm. wasn't like they got like smoked. Um, I think the, the Titans aren't very good, but I still think and the Panthers were or the Titans were also missing AJ Brown and Julio Jones. So I mean, like that's kind of right. tough. That's fair. You still shouldn't lose to the Jets, but like I I think. They have enough going for them that they will still win their division. Okay. I don't know by how much, but I, I still think, uh, I do think it was good though, because it keeps the Colts competitive. It keeps them wanting to play Carson Wentz. I'm thinking so I think they can yeah, maybe
0: you, win the division. Yeah.
1: So you'll take that because I think that it's, it's buying Carson Wentz more time here to play. So I think it was a good outcome. Uh, yeah. So I'm taking the points in this one. Jimmy, we go next to Florida where the Dolphins, who are now one and three are at the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Bucks are 10-point favorites in
0: this one. If the season ended today, which, of course, it doesn't, the Dolphins pick that the Eagles own in the 2022 NFL Draft would be fourth overall. You get, a, in theory, a good player there, uh, of course, but uh, yes. Yeah, so they're one of the worst teams in the NFL, in my opinion, and Jacoby Brissett... Um, while I said on the last podcast that I, I like his toughness, I think your point uh, was probably better that he's just not good. <laughs> and uh, uh, Tua Tagovailoa may be back uh, in a week. Uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, this team, as is, just is not very good. And I think they're going to lose to the Buccaneers, of course. I don't know that the Bucks are going to cover ten, the 10-point ten spread here, um, but uh, certainly this, this Dolphins team is not good. And they kind of have to lose this game, by the way, uh, if you're an Eagles fan, because their next two games thereafter are at home. Uh, I don't remember in what order this is, but they have the Jets and the Falcons uh, upcoming at home. So you figure they're going to at least win one of those games. Uh, so this is a must lose game for the from for the Dolphins if you're an Eagles fan, which they'll do. Uh, I do see them covering the 10 point spread, though. Yeah.
1: Oh, so you're so you're taking the the Dolphins. I'll take the Dolphins to cover,
0: but to but you know they're gonna lose to the, they're gonna lose to the okay. Buccaneers, obviously.
1: I'm taking the Bucks. The Bucks are gonna blow them out. The Dolphins aren't any good. Um, I do worry. I feel like it's gonna happen. I feel like they're gonna trade for Deshaun Watson. I feel like it's gonna get to a point where, uh, and I was reading about this on the FinSider a little bit, the Dolphins SB Nation blog. Um, I mean, I guess all NFL holders are pretty old, so it's not a shock to me. But I guess like I think Stephen Ross is like eighty. Or 81 or so. So he's he's up there and they've been connected to Watson before. And I feel like it, it's just going to get to a breaking point at some point where like, look, do we really want this season to be a totally lost cause? So like if they get housed by the bucks, I think it could be like, okay, like we, we have to do this trade. I know there's all of this stuff hanging up in the air and I'm not saying it's a good decision by them, but I think they're going to do it because they, what else is it? What's the alternative? I mean, maybe to a coming back, maybe, maybe they, they bring Tua a back actually. Maybe it's too premature to do it before Tua's back. Maybe they bring Tua back and then Tua stinks some more and then they pull the trigger before the November 2nd trade deadline. I think it's going to happen at some point, though, unless Tua just comes back and lights it up, which I don't think he will. What a stupid because... trade they made,
0: by the way. Sorry to cut you off. What a, what a, yeah, it really what was. a dumb trade. <laughs> to yep. move from 12 to 6 for to get a receiver that you could have probably gotten at 12 anyway? <laughs> like, what are you doing? It's crazy. You have a future first-round pick and now that pick like might be top five? Oof. Yeah.
1: And they could have given up the, the 49ers pick. I know that doesn't make as much sense because you, you kind of have to bet on yourself to be better yeah, as yeah, opposed to, <laughs> right. Cause you can't be like, well, we're, we might stink. So we're going to have to give this pick, <laughs> right? But I'm just saying it is, it was an option to them. They could have given the 49ers pick. They probably instead, could have. Yeah. And, uh, they didn't. So, uh, Saints next. They're two point favorites at the football team, the football team who beat the Falcons last week
0: and they're two and two and second in the NFC East. Who do you have in that one? So the Saints have been weird this year in that they're like the roller coaster team this year. They they beat the Packers 38 to 3, then they get smoked <laughs> by the Panthers, then they you know, they have, an lose to the Giants. they have an impressive win uh in New England and then they lose to the Giants. So they're up down, up down. If the pattern holds, they'll have a good game this week. Uh hashtag okay. analysis. So uh, yeah, I'll take them over the over the Washington football team, who just hasn't looked good at all. I mean, their two wins have come against uh, the Giants, which they should have won, and against the Falcons, which they uh, actually were looking like they were going to lose uh, throughout the day uh, during that game on Sunday. So um, I'll take the the roller coaster team over the team that has just underperformed so far this year.
1: Yeah, I think I, I talk about this on the SB Nation NFL show each week with my co-host Rob stats Carrera on the off-day debrief, aka the podcast. Uh, like the Saints are the hardest team for me in my power rankings to put each week mm-hmm. because they're just, they're not like, like I have them, I, I usually try to keep them around like 16th or 17th, but like they're not actually that team. They're not like this model of consistency. Hard like you said, they're out. very much, they're either, they're honestly either really like a top 10 or top or bottom 10 team mm-hmm. each week. So it's hard to kind of place them weekly, but, um, I think that football team defense is really bad. Like the Falcons were able to put up points on them. Everyone has been able to put up points on them. And it's really weird to me. It doesn't make sense from like, they have talent on that team, but it's just, it's not a good defense. Yeah. And Jameis might be able to, and Sean Payton might be able to take advantage of that. And it's really just a dart throw. Honestly, again, there's no like, there's no logic <laughs> yeah. to picking this I I, have, like, I, I just,
0: feel, I have no confidence in this game. Actually, I actually picked the Saints in my, flip in my coin. Picks, but uh but yeah, I I I don't feel good about this game in any way.
1: It's either like you're dead on about this game or you're just dead wrong. That's that's <laughs> the one of the two outcomes. So right. yeah, I'll take it's it's minus two. So okay, um, I'll take it as well with you. Uh, Giants at the Cowboys. The Dallas Football Cowboys are seven point favorites.
0: Do we should we admit that like they might be a Super Bowl contender?
1: No, Jimmy, I will never <laughs> say that
0: ever. But certainly they're good, and the Giants are not. Uh, and that's enough for me to take the Cowboys at least to win this game. And seven feels low. Uh, hmm. That's like one of those, like,
1: hmm. It's a divisional
0: game, though. Why is that low? Uh, so anyway, I will uh, I will be fooled by Vegas, and uh, I will take the Cowboys, and I will lay the seven.
1: I'll take the points, and I don't feel amazing about it, but uh, here's why. Maybe the Cowboys I think the Cowboys are really good, but I also think their defense has played over its head mm-hmm. a bit. Uh like Trayvon Diggs is not gonna be able to finish the season that's, with like twenty five <laughs> interceptions sure. or whatever he's on base for. Um and Daniel Jones is like low key, kinda playing well. Not like great, not a great player, but he has some arm talent and, and maybe and the cow and he can run. Very important. So I think maybe even if it's a backdoor cover, I think maybe and it's a, it's a division game. I know the Cowboys are going to win this game because they always beat the Giants. I'm pretty confident in that. But I think maybe they might be able to keep it a little bit closer than you would think. And so will take the points, even though I, I think the Giants are going to lose and then thus drop to one and four. And the Cowboys will be what? Four and one and the nfc east is really looking not too competitive at all and i was talking about this with rj on the nfc east mixtape i'm really just plugging all the podcasts i do jimmy the guest spots the SB nation NFL show the nfc East mixtape gotta get it all in uh that end of season stretch where all these nfc east games are like packed up i mean it feels to me like that could be kind of just irrelevant for the most part because if the cowboys like run away with this thing we we mapped out RJ and I like where the Cowboys could really like, realistically be by then. And I think like it's really not because the Cowboys have an easy schedule remaining. And if you look at it, it's really like not out of the question that they could be like eight and two or something the, through their first ten. So like and the other teams might be like the, right. uh, the, next like the best team of like that group might be six. like four and six.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. So um not, not great. Not great, I would say, for the Eagles that uh, one of their division rivals, their most hated division rival, is looking really good and might just run away with the division well before the season is over. Which brings us to me to our Eagles pick. The Eagles are three and a half point underdogs against the Panthers. I can go first on this one. I'm going to take the Eagles with the points here. I'll get to the prediction at the end of this explanation. So don't feel amazing about the Eagles right now, but I think Jalen Hurts has shown enough where I have some level of confidence in him that he's not going to be a disaster. And I don't think Darnold is as good as people are seemingly thinking he is now that he's just out of the Jets. I think he could make some mistakes. I think that Eagles defensive line, which has underperformed, has the chance to kind of have a big game like they did against the Falcons in week one uh, and and really show up and make a difference. I think Christian McCaffrey, although he might be back, might be limited and maybe it's almost to like a detriment that the Panthers might use him and lean on him heavily. Like if he's not hundred percent, like that might, might actually hurt them. They might kind of overuse him. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game, honestly, either way. I don't feel like amazing about the Eagles in this one. I don't feel amazing about the Panthers. I think the coaching mismatch scares me. The offensive tackle situation uh, scares me, but I think it's going to be a close game earlier this week. I predicted it was going to be like Panthers 24, Eagles 21, but between reading the vibes like I do, I've shifted around a little bit through Eagles 24 Panthers 21. I think it's going to come down to the end. I think it's going to be a really close game and that extra point on the three and a half really I, makes me feel a little bit better about taking the Eagles with the points at the very least. So I'll take it with the Eagles with the points and I'll take them to win straight up 24 to 21.
0: So when I look at the, uh, the, the two biggest uh, weaknesses on this Panthers team, uh, as we noted before uh, offensive line and their cornerbacks and I don't think that that the Eagles with their uh, you know ex, you know underperforming defensive line and uh, a receiving core that's still young and up and coming but not really poised to be able to take advantage of that kind of uh, mismatch um I think the Panthers kind of dod- dodge a bullet on on those two points and then I think the Panthers strengths uh their two edge rushers and um and those two receivers and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore uh match up very well against uh the Eagles and, uh, you know, their their offensive tackle um, issues, we'll call them right now. And uh, a secondary that is giving up a lot of yards in the short to intermediate areas of the field. So um, I think the Eagles, I think the Panther, Panthers just, I don't think the Panthers are that good. I don't think they're that much better than the Eagles. But I think the, uh, the matchups of note uh, are in the Panthers' favor in this one. So I will take the Panthers. I've actually seen this line at four as well. Um, so I don't know if DraftKings had it at four and it moved to three and a half, which would be surprising to me, or if they just always had it at three and a half. But, um, either way, I will take the Panthers, uh, to cover against the Eagles. I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything like that, but I would say something in the range of like, I don't know, 26 to 20. Uh, but I do have the Panthers winning this game.
1: So we only agreed on one pick and that was the Saints minus two. <laughs> so it could be another big swing in the standings right. this week. Uh, which is fun. Uh, Jimmy, if the Eagles drop to one and four. They then get in big trouble. The Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, that's another reason why I think they might win this game is like I think they just need it more. Like they need this game more than the Panthers yeah. do, and that I think that matters sometimes for teams. Like because you're you're okay. Two and three is a whole lot different than dropping to one and four with the Tampa Bay Bucks coming to town. They're not beating Tom Brady. I, I feel pretty good about saying that. But if you can clip this and throw it in my face if it happens, but uh, I don't think they're beating Tom Brady. That drops them to one and five. Then all of a sudden they play what the in, the Raiders, in Las right? Vegas, yeah, in Las Vegas, which is like okay, one and five team flying out to Vegas. I'm sure players are totally going to be like locked in for that game <laughs> at that point. Uh And then I mean I don't think the Raiders are flawless or anything, no. but I think they're a quality opponent. They like have a really th-
0: good offense. It's a tough game. They're a lot I don't like think the Chiefs. They have really good offense, really yeah. bad defense.
1: Um. So. And what? So then you're looking at one and six heading into a Lions game where RJ was kind of mapping this out with me. Where like, it's possible that the Lions are still winless mm-hmm. at that point. And that could be like, you know, like you're going into <laughs> no, the we, Lions, game We can maybe win this one. <laughs> yeah. And then you know, Dan Campbell. Like, so like, I'm not to say that's a guaranteed loss for the Eagles, but like that could be like a tougher game than you might expect, especially if the Eagles are. <laughs> right. One, one so like, six, yeah. So things could like snowball quickly here is the point if they do lose this game, like you're predicting. So yikes. Um And now I think it's very possible. There's a scenario where things start off really bad like that. And then they start to kind of pick up in the second half just because their schedule lightens up. As we know, like they get the Giants, they get the Jet Giants twice. They get the Jets. um, They'll get the Washington football team twice at the end of the year. And then honestly, they get the Cowboys in week seventeen. Cowboys I think might be rest or week eighteen at this point. Cowboys might be resting their stars in that game. So that might be another win they pick up. And I would kind of hate to see that in that like I'm I'm very worried that there's gonna be this narrative, like, oh, the Eagles, they started You know, really bad start, but then they turn things around. It (laughs) definitely means they're going to be better next (laughs) year. Like, okay, I've seen that movie before when the Eagles went four and eight in 2011, and then they won their last four, and everyone's like, oh, the Eagles are going to – that momentum is going to carry over from 2011 into 2012, and the Eagles – You know what? That movie
0: actually did pan out in 2016 (laughs) and 2017.
1: Yes, it did. But, well – but That
0: that wound up being a pretty good movie.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I don't think they won the Super Bowl because they yeah, a Giants team yeah, no. you're, you're, that played you're, over you're, their heads. Your point is taken. And then the Cowboys rested their starters. I, I get what you're saying. Expectations you
0: were low to begin with uh, during the 2016 yes. season anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm, so I'm just kind of worried of that. I mean, it could, there could be some truth to that. If, if, like, if we start to see Sirianni and Hertz figure things out and they do look actually good Mm -hmm. at the end of the season, like, if, if they're winning because they actually look good as opposed to like, they're just kind of like barely getting by bad teams and they're making all these mistakes, like that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to me. It means it's tough if they're showing growth. It doesn't mean anything if they're just getting wins in like very fluky or bad ways. So. That's a conversation down the road. Uh Jimmy, do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up this week's episode?
0: Uh I don't think so. I uh hmm. I like Charlotte. So if you're heading to the game, okay. uh if you're an Eagles fan heading to the game, I'm sure there'll be plenty there. Uh fun city if you've never been there before, uh nice little downtown area. The walk to the stadium is fun. So, if you are in any way in walking distance to the stadium, don't get an Uber. Enjoy that walk and have fun.
1: Have you had any good meals recently?
0: Uh, well, the Dallas food spread was like. Well, I mean,
1: like a, was, at a restaurant. I know, or something. but I'm saying, like, the yeah.
0: Dallas food spread is like the best meal that I've had, like in like okay. a few months. Uh, otherwise, meals, nah, not really. I can't yeah. really say that I've that I've had any great. Oh no, you know what? Old Causeway. We just went to. Okay, uh, oh that's right, right off of Long Beach Island. Uh, went there. You were with, just telling me about this, right? Went there or with no. the family. Yeah, it was it was really good. Uh, I had the fillet, but we there was like a group of like nine of us, and uh, we got like a lot of sides, and it was basically looking, looked like a Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> on this big table that we were at there. Uh, but yeah, that's my favorite place in and around. It's actually right off the. Off the island, uh, by Long Beach Island, but it's my favorite restaurant in and around Long Beach Island. How about you?
1: So last night, picked up from a local spot called uh, Teresa's Mesa on the corner of Monroe and Second in Philly. Okay, and, uh, it's a good, good little Mexican spot. Um, some good tacos. They had these churros there that are really good. They're almost like so they're not like a churro stick like you usually see. They're more like shaped like a donut. Just really good. Um, it's a really good meal all around. Had a uh, dinner with my good buddy, Zach. So shout out Zach. Um, if anyone of the BGN radio listeners want to get in on this conversation, Jimmy, and just to prove you're still listening to the episode this far in, cause you're a true <laughs> sicko, um, hashtag BGN good eats. I feel like if you want to tell us a place that you've had recently, cause hey, I, I, I love food recommendations. I love food. So if you have anything good, send it my way or Jimmy's way. You can add us on Twitter. We're at Brandon Gatton at Jimmy Kemski at BGN underscore radio at bleeding green. Uh, yeah, so that's my final thought. We should probably have uh, a
0: little uh, Where'd You Eat this week quick uh, yeah. segment at the end of every podcast, I think. Uh, hey, I'm finding that. people like that, actually.
1: There we go. Well, now we're going to do it. Um, so check out bleedingyournation.com. Check out phillyvoice.com check out the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed by rating, reviewing, subscribing, all that good stuff. We will get to your questions that we legally have to answer in the upcoming episode here with the Eagles kind of having this mini buy after the, you know, the Bucks game when they play on Thursday night football. We have to catch up on that. Um, so we will do that. We've been getting too, we've been too slow to get to that. Um Hopefully the Eagles win, Jimmy, for the sake of, at least, if not for the sake of fandom, for the sake of us having yeah, interesting keep, things to talk reading about. reading our stuff, for, please. Yeah. <laughs> and for people to have interesting stuff to listen to, right. that would be nice. I think it's fair to say that. Um, check out the SB Nation NFL show, which I mentioned earlier, which airs on Tuesdays with me. At least my episode, the most important episode of the week. Some would say uh, it's always a good time. You can check out the NFC mixtape on this podcast feed that I do with RJ Ochoa, which... Is really maybe not the funnest thing to listen to when you're doing it. With the Cowboys fan, who right. is was celebrating their team being at the top. But still, I think it's a good time. We still have a good conversation each week. So you should check that out if you haven't already. Uh, I think that's it, Jimmy. Those are all the plugs. Write to sell on craft jerky. Write to sell dot com. Discount code BGN15. Chris Roach, Roach Realtors, Roach And that's it. So we're going to wrap this up and we'll be back with you next week.
0: Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N